The following podcast contains strong language, adult themes, including gambling and discussions around physical violence. Sounds great, doesn't it? But if you do think you are one of those people that may be offended by such things, discretion is advised. Or just, yeah, go and put Radio 4 back on. Octagon Odds is back. Tell you who isn't back though. Ross Beaumont this week is the is the one who misses weight. George Hardy missed weight last week, but he's back this week. How did you find the cut this week, Hardy? A bit easier. Found it a lot easier this week, especially in not having to carry the dead weight of Ross Beaumont. That's okay. Uh, oh, I didn't realise you were going to get straight to the Ross Beaumont slander. Like I've no issue with it. Don't get me you wrong. set me up for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, and um, to be fair we're, to you, we're lacking, but it's good. And we'll talk about last week's bets at some point. Um, you've actually probably had your best week um, in terms of <laughs> <laughs> making up ground on the leaders in the betting stakes last week. Yeah, and you obviously weren't here, so. <laughs> yeah, but you made profit when the rest of us made profit, so you didn't make up any ground. You've made up more ground on me this week, having not turned up. Um, than you have any other week. Could have been a tactic. So. <laughs> well, there you I'm go. Happy. It all paid off, didn't it? Yeah, I'm not saying anything. Um, <laughs> and it was a particularly bad weekend for myself this weekend. Um, Both of you, really, wasn't it? Uh, I think Ross, uh, if I'm not wrong, Ross made a £20 profit this weekend. Well, it's not too bad. Not too bad. And that's his... That's I mean, you his both fourth... picked uh, different fighters all the way down, didn't you, and you Yeah, yeah. And it turns out... Neither of us were right, <laughs> really, because, yeah, he got a couple of bets in. Um, I was 0 for 6, mate, minus 60 units. I heard units. you didn't bet on Aldo. Well, I did hear that you didn't bet on Aldo by hearing you say it out of your mouth when I listened to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I did. And I was going to start this week's show with a, a brief apology to the King of Rio, because yeah, at some point last week I accused... Jose Aldo have been a little bit more flat-footed than he had been in the past, and I, mm. I'm unfortunately forced to take that back. I've been, I've been, I've been utterly impressed with Aldo since he made the weight change, and um, he just seems to be a different beast. I, I think, arguably, he gave um, Piotr his best fight of of recent. Mm. Um, that's when he, that's when I realised. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I if, if it's easy to say this now in hindsight, but I would have put the money on Aldo as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think, and it came up um, whilst looking at a fight for this week, who and a fighter who's also dropped down in weight in Cody Garbrand, and I think I maybe overestimated Garbrand uh, Font's win over Garbrand and sort of. You know, what I mean, I overestimated that form in terms of where Font was in compare in comparison to Aldo um, at this stage, and like in terms of where the boxing was at. And yeah, Aldo put in one of his, one of his best performances that that in recent years, and definitely one of his best performances since um, he moved down. And it puts him right into a, a title shot, really, doesn't it? I think he's moved yeah, to number three in the that. rankings. Mm-hmm. TJ is obviously out injured, number three in the rankings now. So he could be, he could mm. definitely be next in line. I'd be excited to see that. <clears throat> I'm excited to see Aldo fight anybody ever. But in in the current climate of stuff, he's looking, he's looking not for a guy that's like, because <clears throat> age wise he's not old, but fight years wise he's very old. He's been around for a long, long time. He's had a, a lot time. of fights, yeah, yeah. But he still looks good. 
still looks good. Yeah, if he was to go on and, and win the belt, where does that put him in the, the GOAT conversation? Because obviously that'd make him a, a two well, a two-weight world champ, one of the best featherweight champs of all time. It's just good, 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 good consideration. I didn't even think about that, to be honest with you, but the guy He's got everything, Annie. The the breadth, the experience, yeah. the highs, the lows, for huge names like A-listers in terms of who he's fought. So it's good. Could make a strong argument, couldn't you? It feels like he's still got time left as well. Like he, he looks fresh. Out. Yeah, he does. Yeah. It's very interesting. Well, I suppose when he was on top, he was on top. He wasn't really taking much damage, was he? No. Um, for a long time in his life. And obviously the McGregor thing happened. <clears throat> and then the Max thing happened. Um, where he, twice, yeah. You can't really you can't really be mad at him for losing to Prime McGregor and Max. Um and then who was after that? Who was after that? Did he drop down after that? Was it drop he, down after Max? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Drop down after the second Max fight. Um yeah. And then, yeah, went in with Jan and lost that as well. Yeah, and you can't so, really, but he, like I said, he gave he gave Jan a good good scrap. So, power to him, power to him. And yeah, he might not necessarily get Jan either. Mm. It's not out of this out of this world that Aljamain Sterling wins the better wins that that one between them two. Well, we'll um, <laughs> we'll see because. I don't even first, want to get into first, that one. <laughs> first, first round ankle pick. I I can uh, yeah I could I, also in the first fight winning in the wrestling in the clinch as well. Um, that was the worst so, Aljamain Sterling performance that I've seen though. Do you know what I mean in terms of yeah, his actual is it, performance? Is it because it's against Pure Yan though? Yeah, oh yeah, potentially. But like I feel like even just the things like regardless of what Yan was doing like he just didn't look himself that night like I've seen him look much better in old parts like he he was didn't really offer anything on the ground or like the one thing we know about Alger is he's going to give people a problem once you get him even on his back like he's going to cause people a problem he didn't even really against Mm. Jan so like I I I think I'd be interested to see a a top Aljo performance against a top Jan performance Um, because just because the styles are so well matched like I'm not saying Aljo would definitely win, but I just I want to see it like it'd be a good fight. Yeah, agreed. Couldn't argue. Couldn't agree, couldn't argue with that. So instead of fights that are way off into the future, and we've touched on last week's bets, I lost sixty units, so I'm back to hundred and twenty six units profit at the minute, um, which sounds not too bad, but it's three consecutive weeks in the minus for me and 92 units lost in the last two events so i've gone back to basics this week like i'm not i've thrown a lot of bets out there we had money in the bank we knew the game plan there was a lot of cards coming up threw a lot of bets out there hasn't worked out the last couple of weeks we've had a we had a couple of winners a few weeks before that but we've gone back to basics this all. week not too many like not avoid avoiding the the ones that i'm not too sure about and yeah, we've got we've got back to week two, Adam this week. So hopefully we can go Ooh. back to week two, Adam's profit as well because I quite like that. Okay. Guy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Ross, well, uh, that's, that makes one of us look like that guy. 
Yeah, Ross, on the other hand, um, fourth consecutive profitable week for Ross Beaumont. Um, and he's, right. he is, he's only knocking off little bits here and there. It's like 5, 10, 20 here. Um, and it was 20 this week. So it takes him to plus 65. Um, you're still um, plus 13 after UFC Vegas 42. Mm-hmm. Was your last pick. Um, so, yeah, it's all to play for again this week. And oh, well, I've got some pillars. That's a big one, isn't it? It's a big one this week. UFC 269, obviously headlined <laughs> by Dustin Poirier, Charles Oliveira for the lightweight mm-hmm. title. Uh, we've got Amanda Nunes against Juliana Pena in the co-main for the bantamweight title. First time Nunes has fought at bantamweight since 2019. Um, Jeff Neal is fighting Santiago Ponzinibbio at welterweight. Ooh. That's an interesting one. Both coming off it two is. losses. Uh, we've got Kai Cara France welcoming Cody Garbrandt, um, former bantamweight champ, down to flyweight. Um, going to be really interesting to see if, if Corey can even make 115 pounds, uh, 125 pounds. Sorry, it's going to be interesting. Um, Ooh. we've got Sean Malley fighting a, a ranked fighter for the first time. Um, down yeah, I was thinking the exact thing, you know. I was thinking that I was like, you know what, he's fine. But you see, even then, even then, I think he could be he, at this point in his career, from from how long how many fights he had, he could be pushing up there. But we're always talking about how fast Dana rushes him, and he's not rushing it, so you can see it both ways. Is he not rushing it, or is he protecting him? And we can start with Sean O'Malley against Julian Paeva um, at Bantamweight. Paeva's no joke, mate. Like. Um, he he's got a serious record as well. He's twenty one three and zero. Um, he beat Kyler Phillips in his last fight. Um, beat uh, Zalga Sumagulov uh, in the fight before that, and winning against Mark De La Rosa. Like he's no joke. So, um, it's definitely not kind of feeding to the lions or anything on Sean O'Malley. But O'Malley, the heavy favorite at the minute, mate, three to ten. Um, pay over five to two. Does that seem fair to you? Like, have you got? You see O'Malley as a heavy favourite here. Um, um, it's a bit of a funny one with O'Malley. I think, obviously, his striking is it's a fan, it's fan like it's a fan favourite kind of style, isn't it? So, yeah, a lot of the more casual fans will, will, will buy into the hype train really quick. You know my opinion on hype trains. The guys, the guys beating a lot, but he. he I hate to hark back to, 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 to myself, but he's not beating anyone. But And the one person that he did fight that was pretty good was Cheeto Vera, and he got battered. So, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think he's a heavy favourite, but I'm happy for him to prove me wrong as well. Well, you know me, I love a hype trade. <laughs> but I'm not, on, I'm not on this one. I like a, I like oh. a hype trade when I spot the right one and I'm at the same conclusion here that I hate to sound like you but he hasn't fought he hasn't put it this way the only reason we've heard of a few of the people that Sean O'Malley have fought is because they fought Sean O'Malley one of them works in a bloody paint shop doesn't he what was he called Chris, M- Chris Moutinho, um, Moutinho Thomas Almeida yeah, yeah. Um, he's also a coach Chris, uh, yeah, coach to be fair Chris Moutinho Thomas Almeida Eddie Wineland who obviously not got that one punch knockout against like and like you say, the one, the biggest test he's had is against Cheeto. And yeah, it didn't go particularly great for him. Obviously, he had a bit of an injury as well at the end. But he, like you say, he was getting bad before that. Um, it's, I think, 
he might win, but I think there's a good argument to be made that having him as three to ten favourite is very short, and mm. there's a lot of value in Paeva here, I think, at, at five to two. Agreed. That said, I haven't taken Paeva. I've not got any singles on this fight, just in my acker, and I've got Sean O'Malley. Um, for no other reason other than... Um, I guess I've jumped on the hype train there, really, haven't I? <laughs> I don't know. I, no, I think I his striking, I think his striking is, is pretty good. Like, don't get me wrong, I think his striking is pretty good. I think there's a case to be made with him, though, that maybe he believes his own hype a bit too much at the minute. Like, and whether he's just playing a character or not, like whether we're being worked, maybe I'm being worked. Um, he is funny. Yeah, no, I don't. I, and I don't doubt that, but he's not beating anyone, George. So I hate to sound like you, but... <laughs> Remember this, ladies and gentlemen. Remember this. Like, <laughs> he hasn't really, anyone. Yeah, he hasn't really beaten anyone yet. And yeah, I think Paeva's not really beaten a- anyone, like, big time but like I have a lot more respect for like the Zuma Gulov win for example than I do for a win over Thomas Almeida or Chris Patino at this stage um, yeah. so I do think O'Malley's been wrapped in cotton wool to a certain extent but Dana obviously knows that he sells because he puts him like above Dominic Cruz and Pedro Munez which I think is a great fight above mm. uh, Josh Emmett and Dan Ige you know on that's headline in the prelims. This is the first fight on the main card. Um, so Dana obviously knows that he sells and, he, and he's an asset. So is there a certain case to be made that maybe Dana's protecting him from the big fights? I, I can see that, but I've, I've never known Dana to protect anyone, really. Usually, he pushes guys too quick up the rankings. That's what I've seen in the past, historically. I can't really think of anyone who he's protected. Sean O'Malley is probably the only can crusher in the UFC. You could argue he protected McGregor a little bit early on as well. Uh, McGregor protected himself at, at well, the point in McGregor's career where he got to pick and choose his fights. He was already oh, I mean, yeah. bigger than the UFC. Yeah, <laughs> before, a, that, he was beat, before that, McGregor's rise to, rise to the top, it was difficult. Chad Mendes, I suppose, he, th- I suppose he, threw, he threw him in there with Cheeto and he lost. So I guess maybe he had to take a step back. Um, But his output is super high. Like the stats are are all there. 8.25 strikes landed per minute, 62% accuracy. Um, His takedown defense is 60%. um, So maybe that's a a hole for people to exploit a little bit. Um, But striking is right up there, just whether he leaves himself a little bit too open at times in the striking. Um, like I say, whether he just maybe just tries to be a little bit too much of a showman. And in terms of winning fights, that'll put him at risk. It'll make him beloved amongst fans and probably Dana. But like in terms of winning fights, that's kind of where I worry with him a little bit. Mm, yeah, he maybe strikes me as maybe a guy that's more after the money than the title. And so the status. See him. Mm, yeah, and they're the, the, like, look at me. The sh- he loves. He's a showman. Like that's what he is. Um, obviously, getting a belt helps, but I don't think that's actually his aim in the UFC. I don't know if he's actually stated that at any point. But if if he was after the belt and he did believe in it, I'm pretty so sure he said he wanted to be the first unranked champion in UFC history. Well, there you go. 
Um, if he did, if he was really serious about the belt, you, there's no doubt in my mind that Dana would have given him the fights that he, he needed to get there by now. Um, so I've got a feeling that he's he will fight for the belt at some point, but it's going to be a bit of a slow burn. And I think he's one of them Nate Diaz characters where he'll still just yeah. carry on being a fan favorite, but maybe not not have the belt. I don't know. It's hard to predict. Yeah, I mean, he's only, he's only 14 and 1, and he's, what, 28, 29 years old? So, he's a long way to, there's a long way to go um, in his in his career. But, yeah, um, I, I've got him in one of my bets as well. Like, I've taken him on. Like, I do think he's, he, he should theoretically have the better of the striking. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm taking him on in, in one of my bets as well, which we can come to later. Um, yeah. Should we do Pedro Munez um, and Dominic Cruz next? Because we've talked about it already. Um, first yeah. fight, well, freestyle. Why not? Yeah. Um, do you know what? Going off the rails, ladies and gentlemen. There's no rules anymore. That's the great thing about UFC 269 is there is no bad fight for us to skip or, or do last or first. Like They're all bangers. Obviously, the main event's a, a real good matchup, and, and we'll get to that. Um, but... On the prelims, I think it's second or third fight on the prelims. Um, Pedro Munoz, um, number eight ranked bantamweight against Dominic Cruz, obviously a former champion, had four years out, came back, mm. lost to Cejudo, um, got a, got back in the win column last time with a win against Casey Kenny. Um, and he, and he, yeah, he was. He had all the hallmarks in that performance of the old Dominic Cruz in terms of. The, the way he moves, not in terms of how effective it is, because I think MMA is a very different game five years on from when Dominic Cruz was last champion. Um, yeah. The, like, wrestlers have taken over, things like the calf kick have taken over to slow people like him, movers down, um, to destabilise them. So it, it's changed a lot. I'm not saying it's still as effective, but, like, the the trademarks were still there, you know what I mean? The trademark movements, the trademark shuffles and things like that. Um, he's number nine ranked at the minute, Cruz. Obviously, yeah, he's two back-to-back losses, but um, he had two back-to-back losses, obviously, to Garbrandt and to Hudo, but then one win. Is he a little bit unfairly done to be ranked nine? Or is... Like, you see, like, I think- Cejudo dropping down to flyweight goes straight in at seven for example mm-hmm. like talking about possibly the best bantamweight champ of all time still in the same weight class and he mm-hmm. you know loses to Henry Cejudo who is one of the best one of the best fighters of all time and he's nine and gets mm-hmm. fight, keeps fighting on the prelims yeah I was going to say this is his second prelim bout in a row I think it? it's his third prelim uh, no yeah second no prelim. no because yeah, yeah, was before that I mean he's only yeah. fought twice in the past like yeah, three yeah. years yeah um, right. I think it's, it's inactivity he's never a draw and he was never a he ne- he, I suppose he's, he was a draw and he does have a mouth but he was never Dana's never one of Dana's pets or one of Dana's projects may I say he he's come back and he, he looked a bit Obviously, against Cejudo, it's easy to look like you're missing a step, but he did look like he missed a step. And then, obviously, his last fight against Casey Kenny, he did look good. He didn't. I, 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 he did look like he had shades of the old Dominic Cruz, but that was it, just shades. So I think it's a bit like, has he got it in him? Is he just one of those 
going to be one of those fighters now that comes back for the paycheck every now and again? Or is he actually really passionate about getting the belt back? Is it even possible for him to get the belt back these days? It's hard. It's difficult. I do wonder if that's maybe it, like why he's fighting on the prelims. And obviously he's part of the commentary team now. Like he, mm. he has a great fighting mind. Um, and like he's the way... commentator, sorry. Yeah, I don't necessarily think he's the best commentator, <laughs> but I think when he does like analysis stuff, like yeah, content wise, like for UFC, like he he breaks down like fights from an analytical perspective afterwards really well, um, and like he can explain his own game really well and like what he was trying to do. Um, but yeah, I, I agree, he's not the best commentator. Although he called out called out DC's commentary. Um, yeah, this week, what do you think of that? Seems, sure <laughs> I mean. Well, I prefer DC. When I watch Dominic Cruz commentate, it feels to me like he picks a side and he commentates toward that side constantly. The one, the one, the one, the time that I realised, and you could probably pull his clip up on YouTube if you're listening and um, if you're interested, that um, the one, one moment where I realised that this guy shouldn't be commentating on fights is when he is when he said that McGregor was tiring Khabib out from the bottom. <laughs> I was gonna say that I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah, he was he was trying to he was getting ground and pounded, but he said, "Oh, he's trying to tire him." <laughs> yeah, he's playing into McGregor's game here. He's letting him tire him out and stuff like that. And then Tento Rogan goes, "I think he's just getting smashed." <laughs> it's just Joe to say it how it is. But yeah, that's it. That's, how, not, that's how I feel about Dominic Cruz. Thankfully, he's. He's not commentating this weekend. He's fighting. He's fighting. Yeah. Yeah. He's fighting and, is better than he's commentating. And he's fighting Pedro Munoz, who um, himself is up and form is up and down. Uh, obviously, he lost mm. to Jose Aldo in his last fight, who we've just talked about. No great shame. Uh, lost a split decision to Frankie Egg uh, a couple of fights before that. He fought, beat Jimmy Rivera in between. Lost to Aljo before that. Um, what do you mm. think of is I think yeah he's a dog I still think he could be a contender like the oh yeah best, he, he went all the way with Aljo went all the way with Aldo um went all the way with what Edgar. a slut what a slut having his dirty laundry on a podcast like that as well shame on you yeah, um, no I, I like I like Pedro I think he's a good good fighter very good fighter like you said he's a bit up and down. He's not quite hit that 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 vein of form where he's getting back to back consecutive wins. But I think he's got it in him. I think he's definitely got it in him. So I I would take I probably would take Munoz in this fight. I found it quite hard because obviously Dominic Cruz is a legend, and back in the day he was so great. But I had a bit of a rewatch of his two last two fights, and obviously he won his last one, but I still wasn't convinced that he's he's the same guy that he was. So I would take Munoz on this. I'd probably say it's going to be a decision. Um, I've, got, I've got a decision feeling about this one. Yeah, I mean, um, six of Pedro's last eight have gone to decision. Um, and mm. I think uh, all of... When was the last time Dominic Cruz had a, a KO win in the UFC? Not since 2014. His last... Yeah. His last three wins have all come by decision. Went all the way with Cody. Like he's not exactly known for his his knockout potential. Um, Stick him move. That's what he's about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, I think it could be a close fight. This one, um, mm. like you say, I think it could be a close fight. But I also think that the distance is the way to go. And 
I I'm gonna take Dominic Cruz by decision. Um, Ooh, just because I'm. I think there's a bit of nostalgia in there. I just think there's maybe a little bit of Cruz that still thinks he's got something out there to prove. And like, if it's going to be a striking battle that goes all the way um, and not much action on the ground, then there aren't many people in in this division who can, can on his day, can touch Cruz and his strike, like just a striking battle. So... I think it'll be close. It could go either way. I might regret this one. I might look back and say, nostalgia got me again. Mm-hmm. But I just, when I when I look through the tapes and stuff, like like you obviously have done, I just thought, I agree the decision. Statistically, the decision is the obvious way to go here. Um, but I just thought, yeah, Cruz might edge it two rounds to one. Might get, get off to a good start, get the first couple of rounds in. Pedro might work his way into the fight later on and do some damage. But yeah, I want to go cruise. It's seven to four for the cruise decision. Um, so I'm taking it um in a single. And I've also got the fight included in another one of my bets later on. Um, so I'll touch on that later on. Any bets from you on this one? Are you taking Pedro as a bet or you just you think he'll win? I think he'll win. I'm not gonna take him on a bet because I think it's quite a uh, quite a close one, like he said. So I wouldn't like to put anything on this one. He, he could go both ways. It's a bit of an unknown, even though we're, we're seeing two guys that are quite versed in the UFC. Um, like you said, Pedro's form's not been consistent and Dominic Cruz hasn't really been an active fighter for a while. So it's a bit of an unknown one and I like to I like to miss those ones often. Maybe I've stuck it in my acker. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think just because I'm so keen on the fact that it goes the distance... And that's the better. And there wasn't, I think it was 11 to 10 for the just to take the fight to go the distance. Not a great value. So I think you've got to make a pick. And I'm going to go with Cruz. Um, and I've missed it out, um, the main acker that I've got, because I don't want my whole night to get stung by a, a dominant Cruz loss. Because um, <laughs> we've fallen foul of that one a couple of times over the last few weeks, been a bit over-reliant on, on one fighter. So um, we're trying to avoid that one this week. Obviously, we're going we're going free round here. Where do you want to go next? Do you want to should we stick with the prelims or we'll go Josh Emmett, Danny Gay? What are your thoughts on this one? I think we should probably mention Josh, Josh Emmett and Danny Gay. I'm quite excited for this one because these two guys, um, historically, they have good fights. Um, obviously not yeah. between each other, but <laughs> um, but they they historically they have good fights. Danny Gay is known a bit as a bit of a decision guy. Um Apart from he got that round one, t- that round one KO, I think, didn't he? Um, was that this year? Oh, yeah, Gavin Tucker, um, March, um, yeah, this think, year. It's 22, well, second, 22 seconds, wasn't it? Like one one punch. Mm. Oh, Josh yeah, Emmett's one of those guys. Yeah, yeah Josh Emmett's one of those guys that um, he's got stone hands and he's a bit hit and, he's a bit hit and miss with his wins. Um, I think he's won his last couple of fights, I believe. Um, but, I mean... Yeah, so one thing I five out of five out of the last five out of the last six he's won um with a loss to Jeremy Stevens in the middle of that in 2018. But he's beat Shane Burgos, Mursad Pekstic, uh Michael Johnson, Ricardo Lamas, uh Felipe Arantes. Um so yeah, not bad. Sorry if no one you say <laughs> I think we were we were talking about Shane Burgos not too long ago on this very podcast. Nah. 
And I believe I'm you, a, like, you were the Shane Burgos. You were the one talking Shane Burgos up, I believe. Yeah, no, I'm pulling your leg. Um, I, I, it's going to be a good one. I think Josh Emmett's got it in him to get a knockout in this fight, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't got any individuals on this, but I actually have got Josh Emmett in my acker as a bit of a spoiler. Um, I just think he's got the uh, he's got it over Dan Ige, to be honest with you. But I think it's going to be a good one. What do you reckon? I just think it's going to be close, this one. Um, it was... Again, one that I just I kind of toed and froed over. Um, and I've I've gone with Josh Emmett to win this one. I've put him in my hacker. I'm not making a single play on it. Um, but I think it should be a good a real, real good fight. Um, we know what Danny is about, like he brings it, he comes to fight, and Josh Emmett's the same. Um, so I think it could be exciting. I I think it could go the distance. Um, and like you as well, I can see an Ige finish in there as well somewhere. So, uh, sorry, an Emmett finish um, in there as well somewhere. So that's where I'm going. Josh Emmett is in my acker, but yeah, not making a single play on it. Yeah, it's a bit of a difficult one. I mean, you can get Emmett by KO, TKO or DQ at five to two, which is decent takings, um, considering the history these guys have in their previous fights. So that might be one to look out for. I'm not going to personally take Is that one. Decision loss, maybe. It's only three, only three rounds. Like he went five, um, Ige went five rounds with Chan Sung Young and lost the decision. Um, he went five rounds with Calvin Cater in the main event um, and lost that decision. So maybe, and obviously I think looking at it, like you said, Ige is a bit of a decision machine. If we think Emmett's going to slightly edge it in the striking, maybe... Maybe that's the way to go in this one, an Emmett decision, perhaps. Sure, that's also a decent way to look at it. But are you going to put one on? <sighs> I mean, I wasn't. Mm... We'll, we'll we'll get to it at the end. We'll get to it. I'm not. Sure. I'm time. not sure. I'm really not sure on this one because I the yeah, it, it could really go either way. I've got I've got him in the acker because I'm leaning that way, but I'm not sure given my precarious situation of the last few pods and <laughs> lack of success. Um, oh, I see what's happening. Do you remember in the early pods when I was calling you a pussy? Yeah. It's come back, come full mm. circle. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Because back then, we were making profit. We were, we were making profit every week. You were making Since, profit. I probably wasn't. Well, I, I, I was using the royal way in that sense. Um I was making profit and since over the last few weeks, we had a bit of money in, in the kitty. We've thrown a, a couple of dangerous hackers out there, 111 to one hacker last week. Um, it didn't go great. I think it was only four out of one leg was voided because um, five got cancelled because of, of a COVID positive COVID test. Uh, and then I think four out of the other, of the eight legs lost. Um, so yeah, I'm just go- I'm going back in my box a little bit and just going back to basics and, and seeing if we can get things moving in the right direction again this week. I can appreciate that. It's, it's, a, it's a hard reset. Um, I reckon probably we, we, we should move on now. So um, the next fight that I think we should probably talk about is Kai Kara France and Cody Garbrandt. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's Unless you want to screw that off and go main event. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this order is going to... Be infuriated some people, so yeah. But I'm I'm happy. Let's go, Kai Kara France and Cody Garbrandt because I'm really looking forward to this one at flyweight. Obviously, Cody moving down after what four KO losses in his last five. Um, 
for Garbrandt. So he's moving down. What do we think of the, the weight cut to flyweight? Like how difficult do we think Cody's going to find that? I don't think it'll be that difficult. I see Cody is a bit of an airhead. He's a bit of a chad, but he's a disciplined guy. So he'll do it. He'll do it the proper way. I feel like Cody's not. He's not going to skim any corners in his weight cut. Um, so he'll do it the proper way, and I think he'll be fine. I think he's quite a small guy anyway. Um, and we've seen historically, TJ is probably the outlier in in that he suffered quite a bit from that from that cut. But I think I think I think Cody will do it. And big call, but I think Cody will win. And where that Cody Garbrandt goes is he gets knocked out or he knocks out. It was one of the other. Um, so I'm, I'm, I think we could see a Cody Garbrandt knockout in this fight. Um, Kai France obviously nothing to be scoffed at. Um, and obviously he gets knocked, he's got a knockout. I think his last fight was a knockout, right? Um, and then before yeah, that, was a, that was the sort of thing that was late, that was thrown at him, wasn't it? That he, he doesn't finish his fights. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, he got that first round knockout against Ruggiero Bonter in his last fight. Um, so, yeah, he sort of put that one to bed. Um, I think... I think he's getting finished either way. The, I mean, he's had like a, a bit of a kind of stop-start career. Like, he, I, spent, I think he spent a lot of his early career in Japan and fighting over there and kind of honing the craft. Like, he came, come over to UFC and got on that run of three straight wins. Um, and then ran into Brandon Moreno, uh, what was that, 2019, December 2019. Um, and he lost a decision in that one. I think he, he knocked Moreno down twice in the first round. Uh, and then Moreno recovered quite well. Um, but then, yeah, he got back on the horse with a win, Tyson Norm, and then lost again to Brandon Royval. He got, he got submitted in that one in the second round. Uh, like I say, beat Ruggiero Bonterin in his last fight. So he kind of... What, two steps forward, one step back kind of fighter. Do you know what I mean? And although Co- Cody's obviously on a bad run, um, we have seen him put on the kind of performances like the one against Cruz where you just kind of like, wow. Like it's, that was a, like when he beat, you know, it was one of the all-time great championship performances, wasn't it? When he beat Cruz mm-hmm. for the belt. We've never seen that again, but it's a weird no. one with Cody because <clears throat> obviously... He, he got that, that sensational knockout against the Sunshell. And in the TJ, at least in the first TJ fight, he got the first knockdown. Um, and I remember being like, oh, this is it. Garbrandt's going to finish it. And then from that moment onwards, we've just not seen the same same guy, have we? And I just don't, I don't really know what it is. Maybe it's a lack of confidence. I don't really know. What do you reckon it is that, 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 that it happened to Garbrandt? Because the guy that beat Cruz was a world beater. He's not the same guy, is it? I don't know. This is what worries me to a certain extent on this fact. Like a guy who's been finished in four, uh, sorry, in three of it. Sorry, yeah, three of his last five fights. Like doesn't sit well with me when he then drops down another weight class and like he's gonna he's gonna deplete his body another ten pounds to get down to one hundred and twenty five. Like and especially like, the first time he does it. Like I just don't know how that's gonna affect what we see from him like it might have a positive impact like he was already one of the quickest guys at 135 pounds in the striking department like his hand speed like he's so fast in the striking like if he can bring that down to 125 pounds like he'll be amongst the quickest guys and the most powerful guys in that division probably probably one of the best strikers like that that goes without saying but 
we know Kai Car of France can make the weight. He's made it plenty of times. Um, and we're sort of, that's not, you know, that's not something that we need to worry about in this one. Whereas, yeah, with Garbrandt, I just, how's that going to affect him? I, I just, I don't really know. And that's why I've been hesitant in this one, really. Because, no, like you say, like, he's, who, what is, can you put, you can't put your finger on it, can you? Why, like, why? You know, how can he have been so, so good, like we say, in that win against Cruz, to then, you know, loses to TJ twice, loses to Pedro Munoz, who we've talked about. Um, he's obviously fighting Dominic Cruz like further down the card and then loses to Rob Thon and just hasn't been able to get anything going. Like he's fighting top guys, but he just can't seem to get any momentum going. Mm. It's a weird one because it, it's a difficult one. I'd like to see him come back and, and, and do well against Kai. Um, and I'm probably rooting for Cody. I have a bit of a soft spot for the guy. Um, I think he's he's quite, he's, he's obviously he's quite a, what's the word I'm looking for? He's a divisive character in, in, in for a lot of people, but it's quite I think he's got a good heart to him. I think I, I think it's a lack of confidence. Um for whatever reason the confidence is gone. And I think it's probably the first TJ fight, like losing to his rival probably knocks your confidence bad. I mean obviously TJ came back and he just looked absolutely incredible. And obviously we know that TJ's still got it because he's he's beating the likes of um well, he's beaten the. He's, well, he's looked good since he's come back, really, hasn't he, TJ? And he's in his, in his comeback fight. <clears throat> I was going to say he beat healthily, but a lot of people have all different opinions about that fight. Yeah. Still, so, <clears throat> and obviously, um, got injured as well. But yeah, so TJ is nothing to be scoffed at. And then obviously Munoz is a bit of a bit of a rogue one. And then he beats a sunshout, um, which is a, a good dub. And then um, he looked a bit out of depth against Font, didn't he? So it's so hard to pin down how good Cody Garbrandt is. Like, how good is he? Is he good? <laughs> is he good? I think that as well. I think one of the best things about MMA as a sport, like especially compared to like boxing, for example, is someone like Garbrandt can lose four fights out of five and like go away, you know, maybe change weight class, like do some work, like change a few things up in the game plan and like come back and if he gets a couple wins going, like he's going to be right back in the title picture. Do you know what I mean? And like MMA doesn't hold a couple of losses against somebody. And like this, like they say, if you're not, if you don't have a couple of losses on your record, like you're probably not fighting tough enough guys. You're not testing yourself enough. Um, and like the people will talk, be talking about in our main events tonight, have all had losses throughout their career. Like somewhere you kind of like, that don't really make sense. Um, like what Charles Oliveira's lost eight fights, I think. Poirier's lost six, and some of the names that they've lost to, you kind of like, sure, like okay. Um, and it, yeah, it's just I think he just needs to get some momentum going. Like you say, it's a, it's a massive confidence thing if he can get. Uh, it looked like I say he kind of looked like he had it back against the Sunset with that, especially the the way he finished that fight, just the. The one punch KO, like the little hook, like he kind of dipped in and hooked, dropped that hook, didn't he, and finished it right on the right on the right on the buzzer as well. Um, like you say, yeah, it's just I haven't got a pick in this one to be honest with you because, like I've said, there's a lot of lot of things we don't know about about Cody and to a certain extent about about Kaikara France as well. Like, still don't mm. think we really know how good he is and like 
how good he potentially can be. But uh, it, it, it's an, I guess that's what makes it an interesting, really interesting fight. Like I said, I'm really looking forward so to it. What is it about Kai that makes you think you don't really know? What we don't really know about him. What is it about him? Because from what I've seen, he like he impresses me. Like from what I've seen from mm, his strike, like, me I too. He, I think he looks sharp. He's he's strong. Um, yeah. Like when I see his wins, like obviously it was good for him to get a knockout in the last one, but even the decision wins that I've seen him take, like they were exciting fights. Like he brings good fights as well. Like and his ground, yeah. like his ground game's pretty strong as well. I know he's um he got submitted by Brandon Royval, but he yeah, his wrestling is pretty good, like his takedown defense is pretty good. Um, I just like I, he just impresses me to watch, but then similar to Cody and so I said, like when they get when they get knocked back with a couple of losses, it's yeah, it's hard to kind of place them until they beat someone else. It's another un- it's another unknown, really, isn't it? Because, like you said, Kai's up and down and Cody's in his new weight class. So it's another fight that's an unknown. It seems to be quite a... Well, we're talking about, apparently... With this fight, this we're talking about, team. apparently, a title eliminator. Like, that's what they're saying. Like, if the winner of this... Is a thin division. Is a, yeah, and obviously, um, Moreno and Figueredo are fighting for the belt again in January. Um, so a lot of it could depend on that, how that goes, because if Figgy wins, we could potentially see them do it for a fourth time um, <laughs> which again would be wild because he's literally gone they've gone back to back to back it's not even like the poor Ian McGregor one or whatever whether, um, or the Holloway like, Moreno was the like, first Figueredo Moreno fight was so so close I don't think we've ever seen someone come back and dominate a fight that was so close the first time like the way that Moreno did have we it was crazy no and I, I don't think we saw the best figgy on that night either but no. uh, yeah I think Moreno made the miles better adjust- adjustments, obviously. Um, but, like, yeah, from a technical standpoint, he made all the right adjustments. I don't think Figgy necessarily did, um, and it cost him. But if Figgy can make um, the set, if make better adjustments this time around and come up with a bit of a, a different strategy, then we know what Figgy can do. So, like, I don't think it, it will necessarily turn out exactly the same third time around, but... Looking forward to watching yeah. it again. But, yeah, like, obviously, Garbrandt's a massive name, isn't he? So, if he gets a win here, first like first fight in the division against, we both agree, like, a, a respectable fighter in Kaikara France, then he's definitely a big enough name and need to go straight into a title shot, former champion at, at the weight above. Agreed. So, talking about a guy that's up and down a lot, let's talk about Ponzinibbio and Jeff Neal. <coughs> Pons and Ibio could be one of them guys that's up and down a lot. There was a period of time where I was convinced that Pons was going to be um, a, a future champion, and I'm just not sure anymore. Yeah, he's had some bad luck, hasn't he? Like, I think he what, went two years with no fight. Like you say, he was on the rise, um, and there was like various issues in there. He had some fights cancelled, I think, because of COVID, as in like the pandemic happened, and he lost the fight there. Uh, and I think he was he had some health issues. Uh, and lost another fight as a result of that. But like you say, he came into the UFC and tore up, really, didn't he? Like, he put together some really good wins against Stones. There's that three wins in a row, aren't there, against Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, and Neil Magny. And you're like, okay, like, this guy could this guy could be the real deal. And then, yeah, like you say, various issues happen. And he goes from November 2018 to not fighting again until January 2021, comes back, faces Li Jing Liang, who 
like it's not a great comeback fight for him, is it? Like it's a tough, tough fight to come back to after two and a bit years off. Um, and he ends up getting KO'd in the first round in that one, and then comes back uh, in June and you know gets a, a close decision win against Miguel Beza. Um, it's yeah, it's again another one. This one for me where difficult to know where Ponzinibbio is really at. Like maybe he turned a corner in the last fight and he's going to start showing us some of the form that we saw from him before his absence. Or do you think maybe the absence has you know, the flames kind of got out a little bit in the absence. I highly rate Ponzinibbio striking um, in multiple aspects of it, in the clinch and at a distance and in the pocket. I think he's very, very good. Um, and obviously, in my in my humble opinion, Jeff Neal isn't the best fighter in that division. So it, it, it is it is an unknown for Ponzinibbio, but I do think that he's got the quality to win a fight against a guy like Jeff Neal. That said, we just we still aren't sure where Pons is at. Um, he could be a lot worse because of the health issues and whatever he's had going on in the layoff. Or he could be equally as good and he just had a difficult first fight back and he could smash Jeff Neal out of the ballpark. But it's another one that's unknown. Like I said, it's a common theme with this card. Um, yeah, I'm really not sure. Fight. Yeah, well, obviously, <laughs> um, yeah, true. And... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to the main, the, t- the, co- the main of the co-main main event after a, a break when we finish talking about this fight. But um, I was going to say about Jeff Neal, um, in his defence, like I think he's, in terms of the opposition that he's been in there with, like he's been in there with some of the top guys. Like Obviously, he lost to Neil Magny in his last fight. Um, he lost um, to Wonderboy before that, um, two, dis- on two both by decision. Um, and he also beat Mike Perry, got a win against Nico Price, um, got a win against Bilal Mohammed. Um, so he's been in there with some some good opposition, um, which you could maybe argue that Ponzinibbio is a, a little bit light on on top quality competition. Like, yeah, maybe less so than Magni. Um, I don't know. You think that would be potentially be a bit of a factor? Like, yeah, especially definitely, given definitely. given the activity that we've seen from what Jeff Neal's had. The activity is definitely going to play a big part in the fight, I think. Um, that's Jeff Neal's. I think Jeff Neal's obviously had a lot more activity than Pons. Um, I'm just still, like I said, I'm still unsure. And at one point in time, I was sure Pons and Nibio was going right to the top. So I'd like to see that again. So maybe it's just me holding on to a bit of hope. And um, nostalgia for me this time. Yeah, well, I mean... Yes, definitely. But like I said, it's an unknown. I can't say I'm on the hype train because I can definitely see Jeff Neal winning it because he's got a lot of different ways that he can win it as well. Whereas I think Ponzinibbio's route to victory is through the striking, really, isn't it? And maybe a bit of clinch work. Yeah, and no bet for me on this one again because, like I said, Neal's coming into this one on two losses. Pons has got you know one loss since uh, a KO loss and then a long absence. So interested to see kind of where he's at and, and interested to see how these two match up because theoretically I think it could be one of the one of the best fights on the card. Oh, 100%. We, we could see a banger. Um, we could also see quite a boring drawn-out fight, though. Um, I can definitely see that happening. Um, if Jeff Neal comes in, he wants to play for points a little bit. Um, Pons might be a bit slower than he usually is. He might not be fully, fully fit up to it. But 
again, we're left in the dark a little bit, Adam. So I've done the same as you, and I've not actually put uh, I've not put any singles on this, um, but I have included it in my acca. Go with ponds in your acca, have you? Yes, I'm going with ponds in my acca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like you said, on this card, there's a lot that are kind of difficult to call. I think that's what makes it such an interesting card is that it could, yeah, we could be talking about a whole different combination of winners um, on Monday than we, than we really expect. So, yeah, looking forward to that and looking forward to talking about the co-main event and the main event um, after a short break. So do join us then. And we're back for part two of Octagon Odds and our UFC 269 preview, the last UFC uh, numbered card, pay-per-view, whatever you want to call it of 2021 um keeping out for future episodes we're going to do the very first octagon odds end of year award ceremony um in an upcoming episode including pay-per-view of the year and um, there's a few contenders for for pay-per-view of the year do we think you ufc 269 could be one of those i'm going to whisper it quietly in case the the uf the mma gods don't shine on us if i say it too loudly Yes, you're gonna to have to make a blood blood sacrifice now. Um, basically, that I can see this card. I can see this card being very very good up until the co and main. Funnily enough, um, what we're going to talk about in a minute. I can see the co. I can you, you can. I can only see the co main going one way, um, and I think the main is going to be interesting. But I think it's going to end very quickly one way or another. Um, I can't see it being a long fight um, because, well, we'll talk about the main when we get to it, but I think first we need to touch on the co-main event of the evening. And that is, Amanda, of course... Amanda the Lioness Nunes versus, I don't know her nickname, <laughs> from Julia... <laughs> <laughs> um, He's looking for Julian. Oh, you sound, <laughs> I can see you saying it, but your sound's gone. So you, for all the people out there thinking sound's that, he, yeah, he didn't know Juliana Pena's name, like his sound went off at the most crucial point as he was yelling Pena's name very loud. Do my Bruce Buffer, my best Bruce Buffer as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, to be fair, I'm always glad it was mooted. But yeah, women's bantamweight. <laughs> Nunes is back at bantamweight for the first time since 2019 um, to defend the GOTES um, against Juliana Pena. He's been calling Nunes out for years, but it kind of shows how thin it, it is at women's bantamweight that... Um, coming off consecutive, uh, or what, two losses in the last four, Juliana Pena. She lost to Jermaine Durandamy and then got a win against um, Sarah McCann. One, you know, she's on a one-fight winning streak and she's in with Nunes for the title fight. Eek. That's all I can say about that is eek. Um, anybody that gets thrown in there with her is a bit, it's just basically uh, lamb to the slaughter at this point, aren't they? And if you're coming off a losing streak... You've got to think that if you're Julia Pena, you've got to think, I need to get in there, take my beating and get my money. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, and in today's climate, with all the different promotions out there, like you go in there, put on, try and, you know, 
make a make a bit of a fight of it against Nunes, like show your skills, send it a little bit. Like you probably will lose in any scenario, um, just because of how good Amanda is. But like sort of put your name out there to other promotions and. You know the UFC is not the only not the only promotion out there, so there are lovers always looking for for female fighters to join their rosters. So yeah, it's a kind of a chance, I guess, to to put a name out there as well to a to a potentially a new audience and you know some maybe more casual fans that are going to be tuning in um, and things like that. So yeah, it's it's, it's obviously we obviously feels like we're disrespecting them by giving her no chance, but realistically, she has no chance, does she? I think the best thing she can do is, I mean, we've seen in the UFC in the past that if you take a beating well, that you do gain some fans and gain some stock. So if she goes in there and she takes a beating well, she could gain some fans. But you're right, we are counting her out. And it is a fight at the end of the day, so anything can happen. Yeah. But it's just so hard to see a route to victory for anybody in that division or the other division that Nunez dominates. There's no path to victory for any of them, really. Like, there Valentina. is. There's Valentina. But even then, she's taken the beating twice as well. So... Yeah. The, bookies, the bookies are with us as well because it's 1-10 to 10 Nunez to win or 6-1 to Penny. So, obviously, Penny is the biggest underdog on the card. Would it be, and I'm assuming it would, amongst... The biggest shocks in UFC history of Juliana Penny is to walk out of UFC 269 as, as bantamweight champion. Oh yeah, it'd be right up there. Maybe even more shocking than when Holly Holm beat uh, Ronda Rousey for the women's um, in terms of women's MMA. That's probably the most shocking thing we've seen. Um, or maybe when Nunes dominated Cyborg, but I'd argue that was already quite a a 50-50 fight. Probably more. I was probably leaning more towards Cyborg at the time, but. Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey at the time when she was just running through people. This could be, I mean, if this, if we're talking about this, like, it's a possibility. It's probably a 1% possibility. But that's why it would be so shocking if it happened. Um, I think that pretty could, I think he probably trumps Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think it's a good, it's a good one to compare it to. Because, um, yeah, obviously not the same, but it'd be kind of similar, really, like, someone who's been around the game for a while um, in Juliana Pena, like she's had some wins, she's had some losses against some of the best. Like, like I say, she, she lost to Jermaine Durandami as a former champion. She lost to Valentina Shevchenko, which there's no shame in that. Um, she only has four career losses. Like she's beaten um, pretty much everyone else that's been put in front of her, apart from kind of champions of former champions. Obviously that doesn't bode well in a fight with the greatest women's champion, um, of all time, but she's no mug, obviously. Um, and she, like you say, she does have a puncher's chance, but I think Nunes is just better in every area. She's more powerful. Her striking is more technical. She's one of the best boxers um, in all of MMA. Um, she's good on she the She's all pound for pound number one, isn't she? Number, pound pound number two. I'm sure you said number one, didn't you? No, I just said that she she's the women's pound for pound number one. So she couldn't, she couldn't, everything she's achieved, she couldn't be outside the top two because she's on, I know. like in terms of achievements and accolades and stuff, she's got way more than any male fighter has. I know you're editing this, but I'd like to run, run the clip back if you can, see if we can confirm that. So I know that I edited our episode, I think it was episode four where we did our 
um, pound for pound lists, like male and female combined pound for pound list. And you can go back and check. I'm pretty sure I said that I was happy to put a second and you could make an argument for her being first. Like I say, because her accolades are amazing. Like no one else has defended two belts at the same time. And like you say, some of the names she's beaten, um, obviously, but yeah, just it speaks for itself. Like her resume speaks for itself. So, and yeah, I, yeah, it's it would be a major shock if Nunes isn't champ. But is there a, anything in the fact that she hasn't fought a bantamweight in a couple of years and getting down to the weight? No, not at all. She's proven she can do it before. She can do it again. She's probably one of the most disciplined people. I've seen in the sport. You seem like you were going to say something then, so I don't want to hear what you're going to say. Just the last time she fought at Bantamweight, I remember she was speaking in an interview about just how bad it was and how difficult it was. And I think, yeah, I think she said she was crying with, with Nina, her wife, and that she would never cry during a weight cut again or something. But it was pretty bad. Like, yeah, she's as professional as they come and you nailed that. It's just... It doesn't sometimes it doesn't matter how professional you are if your body, you know what I mean, just physically incapable of getting that. I just there's a concern. I'll be a little bit concerned about it until I see her weigh in. Um, because once I've seen her on the scales, if she looks fresh and everything, then I'll be relieved. But there is just a tiny thing in the back of my mind about how that it might affect her weighing down. But I don't necessarily think that Juliana Penn is the best person to expose. <laughs> even a slightly diminished Amanda Nunes anyway, like in terms of how they match up. Um, so, yeah. I, you know what, I, I can see that being a factor, definitely. But um, these fighters are built differently, aren't they? So a lot of them will go through this horrific weight cut and they'll still dominate the fight. And then maybe afterwards they'll mention it. Maybe they won't even mention it afterwards. So we're in agreement that Amanda wins. No, I've got Julia Penny in my first round. <laughs> So if she wins, the next question is, does she get it done inside the distance or um, does it go to a decision? Um, the last uh, last fight she got, Megan Anderson, um, she submitted her. Um, before that, she went to a decision with Felicia Spencer. She went to a decision with Jermaine Durandamy. Um, is, what do you think? Decision or does she get it done inside? I think she's going to get it done inside me personally. I think she's done away with these decisions and she's just finishing them. Like she, I think she, is she, I think she's probably going to finish Kenya, um, whether it's submission or knockout or whatever she wants it to be. She might pick her up and launch her outside the cage. Um, she might drill her head through the actual canvas so that they can't do the main event. Um, it's difficult to see. She might even beat Pena and then stay in there and beat Oliveira and Poirier afterwards. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But I think she could do any of them things. So we'll see. I don't think there's a great deal of betting value here, really. Obviously, Nunes is the heavy favourite. There's not a great deal of value in the decision win um, or the, t- or the inside the distance win in this one. So I've no singles bet here. And again, at one to 10, it's almost not worth inc- I have included it in my acker, but only because it seems like an absolute gimme leg just to get a little bit of extra value because I yeah can't see any way in which Amanda Nunes doesn't win this fight because she could knock her out, she could knock her out early, she could submit her, she could win it with ground and pound, or she can just outclass her and win a decision. Like I can't see Juliana Penny yeah. like any 
any any method of no victory route. for her. So yeah, no, I mean, I've actually got um, I've actually got a triple. I've got a triple uh, boosted that on William Hill for um, ah, William, shout out William Hill. Shout out William Hill. <laughs> Shout out William Hill indeed. I didn't realise you were doing a plug. Um, <laughs> William Hill, I've got a bet boost on for this fight and the Garbrandt fight and the Poirier fight. And Garbrandt's only one I'm not sure of, but it's Poirier, Nunes and Garbrandt all to win by finish. Uh, and it's six to one, which I think is pretty deep. Like, I can... I can see, I can see all those three of those things happen, but Garbrandt's the one that I'm least sure about. I feel like Poirier could get the knockout, and I feel like Nunes will get the knockout. Um, Garbrandt can because we know he's got the hands. So I mean, that's not a bad, not a bad, not a bad thing to put your money on. Yeah, you might get slung by a Nunes submission. It's, I mean, sorry, it's a finish. So, oh, sorry, so it's by finish. It? Okay, fine. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, good bet. That, then at six to one, yeah, don't mm-hmm. you say? I could see all those things happening. It's a nice bet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, right, it just leaves us with the main event, which is pulling Ooh. on my heartstrings a little bit, this one, because everyone Ooh. loves Dustin Poirier, don't they? And Charles Oliveira, every, like, is one of the one of the top fighters in MMA today. Like, his submission record is ridiculous. Like, he's added knockout potential um to his game as well like it's a really really good match this is underdog story they both got that underdog story actually so it's a great it's a great one they're both likable guys both very likable guys both got both were, were maybe considered gatekeepers back in the day um both have rounded the skill set a lot both have got better haircuts now and uh they're facing off for the belt and it's two guys that if you just said if you'd have gone to someone in 2015 and said, Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier are two of the best lightweights in the world and they're going to fight for the lightweight belt, they'd have gone, sure, Poirier's a featherweight and, and um, Oliveira can't string two wins together. So, also, Oliveira was a, a featherweight as well, wasn't he, at the time? Or well, <clears throat> for welterweight as well? Yeah, he was indeed. He was indeed, but he's been up and down and he's also, he's been around and he's fought some good, good people and he's won some good fights. He's also lost a lot of fights against the opposition that he should have won against, arguably. Um, so his career's been up and down, but like you said, since he's brought the striking up to up to up to up to it, it's, he seems to be a different beast altogether. So but you mentioned said, it. You mentioned it though. So I I'm gonna go with it. Like does Oliveira's record stack up to Dustin's? No. Not at all. Dustin Poirier, in my humble Opinion has the best record in the UFC. Like I can't think of a single person who's got a better record than him. Can you? Well, I mean, depends what you class in terms of the people that he's been in there with. I don't think there's a. It'd be difficult to find someone who's fought more top, top, like top, top elite level guys like throughout mm. his career. Like even when he was coming up as a young fighter, like he just happened to kind of run into people like Max Holloway and Conor McGregor on the way who were like on their way to becoming like the best, like some of the best of the best in their, in their weight divisions. Um, people like Cub Swanson, who back in 2013 was a big prospect. Chan Sung Young in 2012, like same thing. Like he was, even when he was developing, he was running into some of the guys that have gone on to be, you know, elite, elite level fighters in, in this division and other divisions. People like 
uh, Eddie Alvarez, Michael Johnson, he's got a loss to, like Khabib, he's got a loss to, but the people that he's beaten, mm. like, it's, he's beaten, it's, what, it's four pet- former champions? Petis, Alvarez twice, Gaethje once, um, Holloway twice, McGregor twice, twice yeah. um, Hooker. Dan Hooker. That's just crazy. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. It, it's, it's, if he was, I was saying this when we were doing our pound for pound list, if he had a belt right now, He'd be top three pounds per pound, no doubt. Yeah, and I think I agree with you, but he needed a belt. And yeah. it is, it's, it's, it's almost like a personal decision that he's not got a belt, really. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Well, he, t- he took the, the money, money he took the money fight, and no one complained. Like he nailed it to be fair, yeah. because he got he got the money fight and he knew the title fight. He knew the title fight would come either way. And if if you're Dustin Poirier, maybe you look at it and you go, I can beat either Michael Chandler or Charles Oliveira, you know, whichever one of them wins the belt, I fancy my chances of, of beating either of them. So I take the money fight and in six months' time, as it's turned out, like, I'll come back and I'll, and I'll so take the belt the as belt. well. And I can see him winning this. I know Oliveira, and I'll, and I'll obviously we all know Oliveira, how good he is, but it was the um, one thing that really solidifies the fact that I think Poirier will take it in my mind is that first round with Chandler, um, where Chandler was dominating Oliveira the whole first round, dropping him, should have got a finish. Um, and then, obviously, Oliveira come back and got a clean left hook in the second round because Chandler's known to drop his hands a lot. Poirier doesn't do that. Poirier doesn't drop his hands. Poirier's got a chin on him. Poirier's not going to be there for that punch. Poirier, we know, is probably, when you're hurt, in there with Dustin Poirier, there's no one you'd like. He's probably the worst person to be in there with because he will just lay it on you until you can't take it anymore. So I could see, I could see an early finish for Poirier, maybe not round one, but maybe round two. You know, I think Oliveira's chin is definitely a little bit suspect, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. we saw it in round one of the Chandler fight. Like he's obviously been um, KO'd before in his career. Like he got KO'd by Paul Felder. So like mm-hmm. that was only. 2017 so it's not you know moons ago since then that's what I mean about his record though like obviously he's on a I think it's an eight fight win streak and like yeah. at the top of that Michael Chandler um is a good yeah good win give him that one he caught Tony Ferguson at a bad stage of his career but still a respectable yeah. win caught Kevin Lee when he was kind of on a downturn in his career as well and then before that you're looking at Jared Gordon, Nick Lentz, David Taymor, Jim Jim Miller, like respectable fighters, but just not the calibre of opposition that Poirier has been beating and fighting as well. And Poirier has just looked incredible for so long now. Like the Alvarez fight, the Gaethje fight, the Hooker fight, the, the, the McGregor fights, the Holloway fight. You name me one of those fights where he didn't look in, absolutely incredible. There isn't one. He, he looked the hooker fight was the closest one, funnily enough. Um, I, I'd say out of all of those, and uh, even then he was winning that securely. And like the gate, we've now good gate cheers now. You probably he, say that the he, max the max fight was probably closer than the um, see than yeah. I don't know about that. What, the Max fight? look like he could be hanging there. I don't know. Maybe I'll need to give them both a rewatch. But from I remember Max getting the they're both close. Um, but yeah, they were both close. But yeah, you were right. The Justin was impressive in both occasions. Like again, fighting top top elite level guys. Um, 
His boxing is outrageous. Everybody counted him out as well against McGregor saying, oh, like, he'll be able to take McGregor down. But McGregor's got the got the better boxing. I remember you saying that, son. I remember saying that Dustin Poirier is better. And you said, I've got no doubt that McGregor is a better boxer. But it turns out he's just not. He's just Poirier's style. And he's we'll definitely need that. We'll definitely need that clipping as well. I'm not 100% sure that's a true statement. That happened. We can ask the boys. We'll ask Ross next time he comes. What did I say that McGregor was definitely a better boxer? I'll be able to, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be able to find it in the chat, but it might have been a phone or so ago. But I remember specifically you saying, I have no doubt in my mind that Conor McGregor is a better boxer than Dustin Poirier when I was saying that Poirier was going to take it. And then um, he I do like a, I do like a hype train. <laughs> Conor McGregor was arguably past the hype train there, but he seems to be able to build the hype train every time he gets booked onto a bout somehow. So, but it's, so uh, we've, it's, it's we've mentioned we've mentioned about Oliveira's chin. Obviously, what does go heavily in Oliveira's favor is if he can get Dustin to the ground. He's mm. very very dangerous there. He's got the most submission wins in UFC history. Mm. is no slouch on the ground though. People. No, but McGregor, McGregor was not far away from submitting him. Um, to the, I guess so. Um, I think that could partially be down to the fact that you just don't see that coming from McGregor. Um, whereas Poirier is going to be ready for that against Oliveira. Poirier's takedown defence is historically good against people that aren't Khabib. And he's a black belt. People forget that he's a black belt. He's got some nasty submissions on the ground. In fact, he got closest to submitting to be about anyone ever, didn't he? Um, so he's no which was, which was, by the way, not that close. <laughs> like, not he, that he, close. He got yeah. the closest, yeah. but the closest he got was the closest. Yeah, yeah, That's why I didn't say he got close. He got the closest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but obviously, that said, Oliveira is is the best um, jiu-jitsu practitioner in, in the UFC, arguably, um, right now. So he's obviously better, but Poirier is no slouch on the ground. So we should not, we should not see it as a foregone conclusion if it goes down. Personally, I don't think so. No, and it's just that's Oliveira's route to victory, really, isn't it? Like we we're talking it about is, people's yeah. path to victories. Oliveira's is a submission win. Uh, I, I don't, I think, like you say, Poirier's black belt, um, his, his wrestling's good, all, all of those credentials, but. We know that against elite elite level submission practitioners like Khabib Nurmagomedov, like he can be submitted, um, mm-hmm. and I think that that is what he'll be very obviously, like you say, very conscious of that as well. Um, the bookies have got Poirier's favourite at the minute. It's eight to thirteen for Dustin, thirteen to ten Oliveira. So pretty close, but also yeah, Dustin is um, the favourite in terms of. Who's backing who? It's pretty much 50-50 split at the minute in terms of where the money's going. Dustin at eight to thirteen is still reasonable value if you if you're confident that he's going to win. Obviously, you get more than double your money on on Charles um, for a win, so that's reasonable value in itself. Given that we know that he can definitely he's definitely capable of submitting Dustin Poirier, and to be fair, like he's striking. He's good, like he, like we said, he's added mm. the the KO potential. It's made him a more respected fighter by the fans, hasn't it? That he's not just mm. a one trick pony. That 
he will stand with the likes of Michael Chandler and and trade and, and come out on top. I don't think he can really be a one-trick pony anymore. That's it. And so these guys, they have to add this. They have to round the game or, or to, to actually compete these days. So he's done exactly what he needs to do, which shows that he's got the commitment, he's got the heart and he's got the ability there. So we'll see. But my money's on Dustin Poirier, as it always is every time he fights. Is that a pick? Have you made a pick on Dustin Poirier here? Oh, oh God, I made that pick before we even started talking about is it. Is it a bet, my guy? Is it, on, is it going on the spreadsheet? It's not a single, no, but he's definitely on the acker. And obviously, I've got that triple with Nunes and, and, and Garbrandt. I just don't see there's much value in, in there's not much value in picking Poirier. Um, in a I've, single. Got, a sing, so I've I, got a single player. Okay. Um, because, as I say, I don't trust Oliveira's chin. And like you said, he he got lucky to survive the first round against Michael Chandler. And I think Dustin is a far more clinical boxer um, than, than Michael Chandler is. Chandler can be a bit wild. He, like, gets a knockdown and he can, like, dive in, um, trying to, you know, with elbows and stuff. Like, we saw it against Hooker. Like, he just dives straight in. Um, whereas Poirier is much more clinical. Like, we saw it in the, in the McGregor KO. Like, that, like, checked right hand that finishes it is just... It's one of the, yeah, obviously one of the best finishes of the year, but it's one of my favourite UFC finishes of all time. Like, it's just so clean, like pure boxing, mm. like great striking, like, and obviously yeah. the, the calibre of the fat. And the I just perfect think, punch. Yeah, yeah. Just the timing, everything, like, um, perfect. I think he, at some point he's going to land a shot that puts Charles in trouble. And I think he's got everything that he needs to put him away and win inside the disc. Yeah, 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 yeah. Once he smells blood, mate. That's He's it. Mm. Yeah. And I saw that inside the distance, Poirier, 10 to 11. So pretty much double your money. So I'm going to take it because that's the way I see the fight ending. Like I can't I can't see it going the distance. But interestingly, one of my other bets um, is I've going for a treble. Over 2.5 rounds, Dustin and Charles. I think it could be a bit of a feeling out process. Charles might get a takedown, something like that. And I think it will end somewhere between sort of two and a half and four and a half. Um, so I'm going over 2.5 rounds, Justin Charles. I'm going over 1.5 rounds, Nunez and Pena. Because um, I do think we've seen in some Amanda fights that if you're not too, you know, like Cyborg went straight in and Cyborg was just trying to put it on her. And Nunez is like, okay, well, I guess we're, you know, I guess we're fighting, fighting. Yeah. And just and just came out and just won on counter striking. If you come out with Nunez and you a little bit, you know, you stick and move, work behind the jab, things like that. She can start a little bit slower and work her way into the fight. Um, so I'm just I'm going total over 1.5 rounds for Nunez um, versus Pena, and I'm going over 2.5 rounds for Cruz against Munoz which I mentioned earlier, I've got Cruz by decision as a single play. Um, and that's 5.3 to 1. Very nice. I like that. That's very good. Um, I might take you on the... Uh, I might take you up on the Dustin. Um, or is it a triple Is it a triple that you've got fixated or...? Um, I've got the triple. I've, the- I've got the triple um, for that one. Matt, should we run through all our bets for nine? Quick run through of all the odds, shall we? Um, as I mentioned, Poirier is the eight to thirteen favorite uh, against Oliveira at thirteen to ten. Manda Nunes um, one to ten to retain her bantamweight title 
um, against Juliana Penny at six to one, biggest underdog on the card. Um, Ponzinibbio, interestingly, is four to five favorite against Jeff Neal. It, it started off pretty much neck and neck in the betting, um, but Ponzinibbio has been backed in quite nicely. There's a lot of support for Ponzinibbio in the market. Um, he drops yeah. pretty much evens to he's now four to five favorite in that one, Ponzinibbio. Um, Cody Garbrandt, despite obviously, as we mentioned, not fighting at flyweight before, he's four to six favorite um, against Kai Cara France, who's six to five. So, an interesting, um, an interesting outside shot there, maybe there in Kai Cara France. Um, Sean O'Malley is a three to ten favorite against Julian Paeva. Um, Josh Emmett edging it eight to 13 in the betting um, against Dan Ige at Featherweight. And Dominic Cruz is 10 to 11 as well as Pedro Munoz is also 10 to 11 so nothing to split them to in the betting as well so um I think that just speaks to to what an interesting match is George tell me what your bets are please give us a full run through of what your bets are for this weekend so like I said I've gone pretty simple um but I've gone for the triple Dustin Poirier Amanda Munoz and Cody Garbrandt to all get the win inside the distance and that is a six to one um, which I feel pretty confident about. And then I've actually gone for two Akers, and they are, the only difference between the two Akers is one fight. And I'll tell you why I've done this, because what I've done is I've gone the whole way, I've gone for two six-folds, and Dustin Poirier, Amanda Nunes, Cody Garbrandt, Sean O'Malley, Ponzinibbio. And then what I've done is I've gone for um, one of them on Josh Emmett, which comes in at 10.45 to one. And then I've done again with Dan Ige, which comes in at 17.93 to one. So that's the swing fight really for me. Um, obviously, I think Garbrandt's the one that, I'm, that I've gone for on both that I'm least confident about. Um, but that Josh Emmett Ige fight is the swing fight. But I believe the rest of them are pretty, yeah. I'm pretty confident about. Poirier, Nunes, Garbrandt, O'Malley and Pons. Could, could all get the wins and like I said depending on who wins I either get a 10 point I get either get a 10.95 to one or I get a 17.93 to one or whatever it is yeah I'm, um, I'm a little bit so, worried about Pons maybe but we'll see I think it's a good mm, bet I think we'll, we'll obviously see yeah so um, overall I think we're in for an absolutely fantastic fight card this weekend it's a great great one to finish the year on in terms of numbered events um I'm I'm always excited for a, a Poirier fight, and I get um, I get some nerves when he's fighting. I think I only get that with a couple of fighters, um, Poirier being one and Adesanya being one. Um, that they, they I always get nervous when they fight, and I think that's just a bit of fanboyism coming out of me. It's Max for me can't be a Max fight for me. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and Max, yeah, and Tony. But now at this point. I'm just a bit, yeah. I'm a bit, my, my emotions are ruining. It, yeah, it worries me now. It's more like worries, <laughs> worries me when Tony fights now a little bit. Like, I don't want to see him get beaten up again. I don't think. That Gaethje my... fight stole my soul. Yeah, I don't think my heart can take another one like that. No, I like Gaethje as well, but watching him do that was just a bit. I'm not sure that my heart can take another big loss this weekend. So, as I'm saying, I'm playing it a bit more steady. I've only gone for four bets this weekend. I think I put seven there. Uh, seven up the week before last and then six up last so we've scaled back um, I've mentioned the treble which I'm interested in over 2.5 rounds Dustin v Charles over 1.5 round Nunes v Pena over two and a half rounds Cruz v Munoz five to point three to one 
Um, taking Dominic Cruz by decision at seven to four, nice bit of value there. Um, I'm taking Dustin Poirier inside the distance at 10 to 11. And my acca for the evening is a fivefold. Um, I've got Andre Muniz in the prelims, Alex Perez, who's fighting Matt Schnell in the prelims, um, Sean O'Malley, um, Amanda Nunes, and Josh Emmett to win um, at 4.16 to 1. Not bad at all. Not safety we'll see bets. I, yeah, well, they're only safety bets if they win. If they lose, then they're no more safe <laughs> than any other bet. So we'll see how we get on. Um, last bit of housekeeping from me. Um, just a reminder to everyone listening to please gamble responsibly. Remember um, not to bet more than you can afford to lose. Um, a reminder that if you enjoyed the show, to leave us a rating wherever you are listening, um, to go ahead and, and follow us on socials as well at Octagon underscore odds on Twitter and Instagram, Octagon odds on Facebook and YouTube. Um, I've been Adam Russell. George Hardy is my partner who made weight for me this week. Um, yeah, thanks I'm for joining right. me, George. Really looking forward to it and looking forward to uh, some of the shows we've got coming up. We're going to have a bit of fun as yeah. well with end of season awards and things like that, aren't we? Yeah, glad to, glad to be back. Um, glad to be back after my missed weight last uh, week. But mate, don't worry about it. Adam docked my pay. So, yeah, I'm we the only consummate that. professional around here. I'm the only one that consistently makes weight. So, um, yeah, I've got um, obviously, fans. obviously, Ross Beaumont's um, lacking this week. He said he's uh, well, he's made a lot of excuses. So, um, I'm sure we'll see him back next week, though. Uh, and we'll get the we'll get the usual. This episode's been nice, clean, plain, clean, plain sailing. Um, but next week you'll get some more Hardy Ross arguments back so um if you've missed that tune in next week because uh it's gonna go off i'm gonna give it to him don't worry well, <laughs> looking for i'm looking forward to that already so um yeah, <laughs> good luck to everyone this weekend good luck to you george and thank you very much to, for listening to octagon odds yeah and we'll see you next uh next episode <laughs>